church and um i've been up had the opportunity to preach uh, up here several times and uh i'll tell you it doesn't doesn't get any easier getting up here um by any means i was telling somebody today that uh the first five minutes are always the worst because it seems like i'm like hyper aware where my hands are and my heart's like beating out of my chest and so if we can get through the first five minutes i think we'll be all right so um tell you what, why don't y'all turn to uh romans 14 that's where we'll be um, for, uh, for most of the night tonight. And we'll be going through pretty much the, the whole chapter. And it uh, seems like a lot, and it is a lot, and uh, it may be too much, but I always seem to fly through a lot quicker than I think I am, so it may not be too, too long. Um, so uh, in Romans 14, um, Paul, well, the main topic of, of, of tonight, the thing I'm going to be talking most about is this whole idea of unity within diversity. And so um, if you look at our church, I mean, we're, we're a church that we're very similar. Our membership is very similar. Um, we, uh, we come from similar backgrounds, but, um, but there, are, there are a good bit of, of differences within us. Um, I think that uh, as you look at our church, our church is growing. And so um, new people are going to be coming in, um, people from different backgrounds, uh, people with different life experiences and all that stuff. Um, and as we uh, minister more to the, the city around us, um, there's obviously a lot of, a lot of just different uh, cultures within the city. And um, so we're going to be encountering um, people that are different than us, uh, not only out in the city, but just within other congregations as we minister to the people around us. So I think it's just it's important for us to at least look at like what we mean by unity within diversity, and I'm sure that's something that we've we've heard a lot. And I don't know that I'm going to be talking about anything uh, groundbreaking tonight, but um, I think it's going to be good. So let's look at uh, at Romans 14, and I'm going to read the first three verses for us. It says, uh, "As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables." Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So, so what do we, we see here? We see Paul is speaking to uh, the Roman church, and um, he is addressing some, some differences that have come up uh, within the church. Uh, and so, I think when you see that, you see that um, it's not just differences that have come up, because I think differences are, are good, you know. Differences of opinion, differences uh, are good, but there's something more that's going on there. You see in verse 1 that um, he uses the word quarrel, uh, and so, um, so there's obviously some, some argument that's been going on. Uh, you see in verse 3 he uses the words uh, despise and, and pass judgment. And so so the, the differences of opinion have led to some, some divisions uh, within, the, uh, within the congregation, and, and it's divisions that are, that are leading to people... I think seeing each other a little bit differently. Um, another thing I want to point out before we move on is the, the word like opinions, he says. He says, 
Um, welcome each, uh, you know, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So, so the issues that are coming up, the differences that are coming up, are not issues that are central to the gospel. They're not issues that, um, like clear issues of sin. They're not issues uh, that are putting into question anything that has to do with the gospel. You know, the deity of Jesus, um, uh, salvation by faith alone. So that kind of stuff. So that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about more. Uh, I think another uh, version says disputable matters. So things that fall under the 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 heading of like in line with the gospel, but um, those of which maybe there's a little bit more of a gray area. Um, so just want to kind of throw that out there so we know what we're talking about as we move forward because um, it's just important to know that. So uh, let's look at a. Uh, so Paul Paul recognizes this. Paul is as one who has put um, a good bit of time and. Uh, effort into this church. Um, he sees the fact that there are Jewish Christians uh, in this church. He sees the fact that there are Gentile Christians in this church. So looking a little bit deeper into the setting, um, so Jewish Christians have grown up in the Jewish culture performing certain uh, ritual acts, certain parts of the, the Old Testament, certain uh, rituals and traditions. And you also have um, these Gentile Christians who are not Jewish. So they, they could be coming from backgrounds of idol worship, just very different cultures coming together. And uh, so Paul um, comes in, he, you know, the gospel takes over, um, people in Rome are saved, Jew, both Jewish uh, people and, and those who are not Jewish. And so they're, in, they're living life together under, under one body. And so um, Paul kind of sees uh, the fact that these disagreements are taking over, and he, he kind of uh, pastorally kind of walks them through this. Um, he, he points to a couple things, and we're going to kind of go through them, but he points to I think like three like specific reasons um, why uh, the the people in, in the Roman Church are unified, and, and then he kind of talks about why that's important. So um, let's look at uh, I'm gonna read verses three through twelve, and we're gonna just kind of talk about um, some of the stuff that I think he's pointing out. So uh, let's let's do that. Let's look at three through twelve. Um, verse three it says, "Let not the one who despises eat. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains." And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should fully be convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So a lot there. And we could probably go um, a million different directions with that. Um, but the first thing I want to kind of talk about, um, the first thing that kind of unifies them, is, uh, is the idea that this church, and subsequently all of us as Christians, are unified by our, our individual pursuits of God, um, based on our, our common uh, standing before him. So, so what do I mean by that? Um, let's look back at verse 5 and 6. I'm going to kind of go back and forth a lot because we're going to be jumping around a little bit, so I may be reading quite a bit, but that's okay. 
Um, verse 5, it says, One person esteems one, ba- one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So, so what I think Paul is kind of referring to, and I think he's making a, a pretty big point um, when it comes to our unity as a body, is the fact that, um, first I think he points out that like multiple things can be okay. So I think he's, he's saying in there that if you're eating, great. If you're not eating, great. So just that idea that there may not always be that one way. But I think he's pointing to the, the key as to why that's true. Uh, he, says that, um, he says that each one should be convinced in his own, own mind. So like each person within their heart like what's the, what's their motive? Like why are you performing this action? You know, what is what is the motive behind it? You know, um, like when we talk about unity and we talk about our individual pursuits of the Lord, like we are unified in our pursuit of the Lord uh, because we are unified in like the the motives behind our pursuits. So um, the whole idea of, of the the heart is is the most important thing. And I know we talk about that a lot. I mean, if you've been around us for or this church for any amount of time, we've talked about that quite a bit. But, but I think it's important to kind of see that when we talk about unity because, I mean, that's, it's, a huge, it's a huge concept. So, so what does it mean to have, like, pure motives? What does it mean to have a, a heart that is pursuing different actions for the right reasons? I think Paul kind of talks a little bit about that. So he, he mentions uh, in verse 5 and 6 that, you know, heart that is uh, doing things in honor of the Lord heart that is doing things that are, that are thankful for the Lord. And so we would all agree that those are good, you know. Um, but I think we'd all agree that, you know, sometimes that's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to do sometimes, you know. Um, always being thankful for all things, doing all of our motives being pure and all of our actions being, you know, out of honor for the Lord and thankfulness for him. And so Paul, I think, goes on to talk about, like, what the, what the key to that is. Uh, let's look at verses 7 to 9, and I'll read those again. It says, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. So the key to our motives, um, being those that are motivated towards giving honor to God, and being thankful to God is a heart that understands his lordship over us. And so when we look at the idea of him being lord of us, him being lord over us, and what it means to submit to that, a huge point in that is understanding the cross. See, Paul points out in verse 9, it said, For to this end uh, Christ died and lived again, that he may be both lord of the dead and the living. So, um, so for us to understand what it means to submit ourselves to the Lord, to be unified in hearts that are submitting to, to Christ's Lordship, we have to understand the cross. When you look at the cross, um, we see just a beautiful picture of, of God's love for us. Uh, we see a picture of um, God saving us, you know, sacrificing of himself, um, not out of anything that we deserve, uh, but because of his incredible love for us. Um, when, when we begin to understand, and we talk a little bit about like letting the cross affect us daily, you know, making that a part of our daily uh, thoughts about the Lord, our daily relationships, our interactions, like the, the cross is what motivates that. That's like when we think about how the cross motivates our actions and subsequently our hearts, like we, 
We understand how important it is to understand what that means. We understand how important it is to understand the implications of the cross, like how much he loved us, how much he acted upon us. And based off of that, like, we owe our entire lives to him, you know? Um, Like, we are to submit ourselves to him. And it's not like a a grudging submission. It's a submission that is an honor and a thanks because of of a recognition of, of of what he's done for us. It's not something that we could have done ourselves. And, and I think there's a tendency, if you've been around church for any amount of time and you've been a Christian for a while, to get, certain concepts kind of get, I don't know, not old, but you kind of get used to hearing them. So Jesus' death on the cross, we didn't deserve it. But I think if you really think about that, that, that changes a lot, you know? That changes the way we see the Lord. That changes the way we see our lives. It changes the way um, we, we think. And so when we think about submitting to his lordship, um, the whole idea of like dying to self and living for God because we've been on that a lot too. Um, like that, that becomes easier. Like our, it becomes easier for us to do things out of a motive of of love for Him and thankfulness for Him and honor of Him. And so, I think what Paul's doing is he's pointing us to the unity that we have under the cross, and that what that means is that we are unified in the way that we pursue the Lord, the motivations that we pursue the Lord, um, which is big. You know, that's that's big for us to understand that. Um, so when we understand that, we understand verses 10 through 12 a little bit, a little bit better. That just when we see the cross and we see our motives for um, acting out in light of the cross, we see verses 10 through 12. I'll read that again. It says, uh, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of, of himself to God. And so, still going back to the idea that we are, you know, submitting to the Lordship of Christ. And he brings in the fact that, you know, when we look at our lives and look at our actions, look at our hearts, like ultimately, like we're accountable to the Lord. And he uses the, the phrase, you know, the word judge. And so I think when we, when we kind of hear that word judge or judgment, um, I think some of us come from backgrounds where that's, a, that's kind of a scary thing, you know, um, where we kind of see God as this angry judge. And we spend a ton of time in community groups talking about, like, just some of that false narrative behind that. It's not, God's not an angry judge. But I think when we look at the idea that we are only accountable to him, it, it, it frees us up for a couple of reasons. Um, it frees us up to um, be concerned with him and concerned with um, how our lives are pleasing to him and frees us from having to please each other. Um, and so that, that's, that's a big thing, that whole people-pleasing. I think that, I think that's something I've struggled with for years. And, uh, and so we understand, like, that we are only accountable to God, um, then the whole people-pleasing becomes less of an issue. That it's, it's, like, the Lord's more concerned with our relationship with him, with our hearts to him, uh, our motives towards him, and, and we don't have to be concerned about what other people think. Now, I, hold on to that thought, because we can go in the, we can go in the unhealthy direction with that thought. But just the whole idea that we are only accountable with him, only accountable to him. But when we look at the whole, like, we are only accountable to him, he is our judge. If we look at that in light of what we talked about in the, the previous nine verses, look at that in light of the cross, like, like we are accountable to a judge who is going to ultimately judge us based off of if we put, place our faith in Jesus Christ. Like, ultimately, that's, that's where the judgment comes from. It's not, it's not anything we've done. It's not based solely on our actions. So there's no fear in judgment. There's no fear in that judgment. If we are believers, if we have... If we truly believe that Jesus was the Son of God and um, came to die for us and, and was raised, um, then, then when we come to that time when we to give an account, like, there's no fear. No fear at all. And uh, so it changes the way we see that. And then 
as a result, like our actions are not based out of a fear, not based out of a fear of punishment. Like our hearts are directed towards a, a God that is completely loving, is self-sacrificial, that died so that we can uh, spend eternity with him. So our, our motives become not out of fear, but out of love for him. And so, so I think you see like where we are unified in the way that we pursue the Lord, where our heart's at, why, why do we pursue the Lord? And I think if we could stop right there, I mean, that's, if we just stopped right there, that's, unit, that's, that's enough for us to dispel any kind of division that we may have among us. Like, that's enough to just take away any judgment, any kind of quarreling. Like, if we just stopped right there on that, that simple fact alone that we're unified by the cross and that our, all of our actions flow out of an appreciation of that, then that, that just that changes the way we interact with each other, that changes the way we see differences. But, but Paul doesn't stop there, thankfully. He, uh, he, he kind of moves on a little bit and kind of raises the, raises the bar a little bit, maybe talks a little bit more about what that, what that means. So, so first we're unified by our individual pursuits of the Lord based off of our common ground before him. So second thing that I think we're unified in is uh, we're unified in the way we care for each other, the way that we love each other. And, uh, and this is based off of what we just talked about. And so I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about Paul is that he always seems to like, connect the individual with the corporate. So there's not a whole lot of difference a lot of times with between the two. Like, it's, just, it's just neat to see that as you, as you read through some of his writings. Um, so, uh, so let's look at verses 13 to 23, and I'll, I'll read through those. It says that, uh, Therefore, let us not pass, pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a, a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So, um, so Paul's kind of making a little bit of a transition here. And so he's, he's saying, like, look, look at your individual relationship with the Lord. What are your motives there? And so what he does here is he moves more into how, how does that affect the way that you see each other in the midst of your differences? Um, so, uh, so look at verse 14. We kind of see in verse 14 again that, um, that it's not necessarily the action that's the problem. It's the heart behind it. And so that focus again on the heart. And so when, we, when we're talking about caring for each other, that's what we're talking about, like unified in, in our care for each other's hearts. And... Uh, not saying that the actions aren't important, but, but the heart is the issue. Um, 
So as we look at the heart, like as, as a community of, of believers, as, as the Ring Community Church, we've agreed to kind of push each other towards holiness, um, towards the pursuit of holiness. And so as we do that, we got to know what that means. And I, I think a big part of that is caring for each other's hearts and pushing us away from sin. And so Paul kind of talks about what sin is. Look, look back at verse 23. Um, it says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So Paul, Paul kind of like raises the bar when, it, when we're talking about sin. He says, whatever is not from faith is sin. So what, what does that mean? Like, so what that means, I think, is no matter the action, so we can have blatantly sinful actions, or we can have like, good actions that are done out of the wrong heart. The key is the heart. Like, when it comes to sin, like, the sin begins in the heart. Um, and so that, that kind of helps us know where to start. Like I said, it helps us know how to, 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 be, to begin to care for each other. Um, so, in order for us to care for each other and for us to push each other away from sin, I think it's important to see, like, the seriousness of sin. Paul uses some pretty strong language in, uh, in this passage to talk about sin, about the implications of, of, of acting out of, of some wrong motives in regards to uh, addressing some of the differences within each other. And so, verse 15, he says, uh, says, Don't, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And uh, he says it again in verse 20, he says, uh, Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. So we, I think we have to see, like, the seriousness of sin. Like, sin is destructive. Like, it is completely destructive. And we wouldn't disagree with that. If I, I mean, everybody in here would, would agree with that. But I think we got to realize, like, the, like that, like, it is. It is destructive. And it can, it can it's destructive to us individually. Um, but it doesn't stop there. Like, our sin is, is destructive to us corporately, you know, both as the ring and as the, the larger church of God. And so when we're, when we're dealing with sin, we're not just dealing with stuff individual. Like, your sin does not just affect you. Like, it doesn't. Uh, it affects the larger body. And so when we're talking about caring for, for each other, we're, we're pushing each other away from those things, not just because we're following a list of, of do's and don'ts, but because like, they're destructive, and so as we're, as we're caring for each other and, and pushing each other away from, away from sin, like, we are concerned with each other's hearts. Like, what are our motives? What are, where are our hearts at when we're doing certain actions? Um, so as we look at that, like, like, we're unified in the way we care for each other. We're caring for each other's hearts. And that leads us to act a little bit differently sometimes to us. Like, Paul, he spent the first 12 verses talking about the freedom that we have to um, live our lives uh, in submission to the Lord and only... Um, we are only accountable to him. So it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter what uh, other people say about us or we don't live for our people's approval or opinions. But I think what he talks about is that, um, like, that doesn't mean that we can just go out and do whatever. Like, in, in, in here he says, don't let your, I mean, read the verse, he says, um, let me see. He says that in verse 16, do not let your regard as good be spoken of as evil. And he says, uh, Decide never to put a stumbling block in, or hindrance in the way of a brother. Um, verse 20 says, Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So what he's saying is, um, like even like our, our good actions can be wrong. And they're wrong if, if we're not submitting our freedom, submitting ourselves selflessly for the good of other people. Um, so if, I think I mentioned some... I, I failed to mention some examples of kind of where this, uh, like, differences can pop up. And there's a, I mean, we could talk about a, a ton of 
differences that can cause division. I think one that comes to the top of your head is, is this issue of alcohol. You know, like whether it's okay to drink, whether it's not, I'm sure. Like we would have a, if you talk to a bunch of different people in our community, we probably would, would have some different opinions. Um, you look at politics. I mean, politics are a huge, divisive, hugely divisive thing um, within our country and then can be with, even within the church. Um, like theological differences. You know, there's differences in theology within, probably within our church. Again, not the foundational stuff, but just some, some of the more gray areas. And so um, I think Josh talked to the married discipleship about differences in the way you, ra- you raise a family, some of the differences in, in parenting styles and all that. Um, you see differences between churches, worship styles, all that stuff. So you see just kind of some examples of that. And so what Paul is saying is, like, like, be convinced, no question, and be convinced in your own mind when it comes to those things. Like, let the Lord show you kind of what's okay for you. So if it's okay for you, like, if, if you have no problem going out and having a drink, go have a drink, you know? If it's not, if you, if you, feel, if you feel uncomfortable about that, maybe it's best for you to hold off, you know? But within that, within the freedom... Be aware of other people, you know? Like, be aware of where others are at. Um, maybe it's not best for you to, to jump into this deep theological argument with somebody. Play the devil's advocate, you know? Um, because that per- you know, if you, if, if you know that person, maybe that person's dealing with some doubts about the faith, and that kind of stuff just throws them into a, a spiral, you know? Um, maybe it's not... Uh, I'm trying to think of random examples, but it's just talking about being more aware of others even in the midst of our freedom, and caring for each other's hearts. And that requires us to know each other, you know, especially as we look at, like, the ring. Like, we're committed to living life together. We're living in community together. It requires some transparency, and it requires for us to be open with each other, open about our own lives, and then concerned with other people's lives. So that requires us to know each other. So let's know each other's hearts. Let's know where we're at. Um, it doesn't mean that we walk around on eggshells all the time. I mean, it doesn't mean we, we're, we walk around and all of our actions so fearful of making somebody just spiral into a, a terrible place. That's not at all what this is talking about. Because um, we're probably giving ourselves too much credit there. But what we are talking about is just being more aware of each other and being concerned for each other's hearts and all of our actions. Um, it may mean you, you think about what you're tweeting before you tweet, you tweet it. You know. Um, so let's just be, be aware of what we're... Be aware of other people... And let's be unified in the way we care for each other, ultimately by caring for each other's hearts. Um, so I think if we look back at the first part of that, if we're truly submitting ourselves to the Lord, if we're truly living under the understanding of what it means to um, live under the cross and uh, understand the cross in our individual lives, um, like that second part, it should happen, you know? It should happen. We should, if we understand, if we're pursuing the Lord submitting to him, then we're, part of the Lord's heart is caring for other people, you know? Part of his, like, his heart is for caring for our hearts. And so as we're submitting ourselves individually, like, that's going to lead to us caring for each other better corporately. Um, so, good stuff. I mean, it's real good stuff right there. So we see, like I said, Paul, I think Paul kind of points out three things. The first two, you know, we're uni- unified in the midst of our differences by our common, our individual pursuits of the Lord based off of ultimately the cross. And, uh, and then two, that unifies the way we care for each other, ultimately caring for each other's hearts. Um, the third thing I think he points out is that we are unified by the, the kingdom, like the kingdom of God. And so um, let's, uh, let's look at verse, let me see. 
Let's go to verse 17. It says, uh, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul kind of talks about what it means to live in the kingdom. Like, what the, what, what, what's the big picture when we're talking about the kingdom? Like, we, as Christians, we are all a part of the kingdom of God, which is, is basically just means under the, the sovereign rule of God, living in his, his kingdom. Um, and so, as we, as we individually um, are pursuing the Lord on, our, on an individual basis, based off of our understanding of the cross, as we're caring for each other, like, we're displaying a few things about the kingdom. And I think Paul points to a few things about it in, in this passage. First thing is, is something we just we talked about in the last two things, is that the, the primary concern is the heart. The actions are not the primary concern. Actions are important. The heart is the key. And so, Paul, you see that right there in, in that verse. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, so that, that happens when, like I said, when we're submitted to the Lord and we're caring for each other well. Um, the second thing I think he, he mentions and kind of brings up in this passage is that we see, like, strength and weakness differently. Um, if you notice back in verse 1, Paul, um, like, openly refers to, and he's talking, this is a letter to the people of the Roman church. He refers to certain groups as weak and certain groups as strong. And so our tendency is to be like, well, I don't, I don't want to be in the weak, the weak department, you know. I don't want to be those that are weak. You know, I want to be in the strong, you know. And so, and I don't think Paul's referring to like weak and strong is like positive negative necessarily like he when we look at weak when we look at the way the bible talks about weakness like it's very different than what i think the world talks about weakness like paul boasts throughout his letters in weakness he says that you know i'll boast my weaknesses so that the essentially the glory of christ may be shown in my life the power of christ may be shown in my life and so so when we, when we talk about weakness in our lives we, we deal with a lot of comparison like individually we deal with a lot of insecurities and uh, we just see weakness, I think, sometimes in a very negative light, and an unhealthy light, I think. Same thing with strength. Like, strength can be a good thing, but there can be, like, pride sneaking in with, with that strength. And so I think Paul is, like, purposefully addressing them as strong and weak. For One of the commentaries says that there may have, one of the commentaries I read said that they're, the strong may have identified themselves as strong and kind of referred to the others as weak. So you kind of see, like, he's just kind of pointing out that like, there's, some, there's something wrong there. Um, but I think he's purposefully using those terms to get us to reevaluate the way we see, like, strength and weakness. So, um, so when we look at that, like, when we look at, like, strength and weakness, I think an important thing to remember when seeing that in a healthy way is the reality that we, like, we are all in the process of sanctification. It's not necessarily about where we are at in the process, um, but that we are in process. And uh, I think when we begin to understand the fact that we are all in process— um, we understand the fact that, like, at, at one time, we were not, far, not as far along in the process, so the Lord was still teaching us uh, stuff about himself, teaching us stuff about him, and that was influencing the way we acted. So as we've gone through and as the Lord has brought us through the process, like, he has um, increased our freedom in him. And so at any point in our lives, we are both strong and weak, you know? There's still, we've come a long way, and there's still a long way to go, you know? Um, so, and that process is never going to end. So that, that in and of itself changes, like, our view of strong and weak. Um, he points out uh, in uh, the next chapter, and uh, kind of the idea that as we kind of progress in that process, 
Like, that kind of increases our responsibility to see each other in a healthy light. That kind of increases our responsibility to care for each other. So as we progress along, as the Lord kind of increases our understanding of him and how that relates to us individually, like, that elevates our call to, like, love people better, you know? Like, he, more responsibility comes with that, you know? Um, and so that, that, that whole idea of, like, weakness and strength, like, Paul is trying to say that's not the point. The point is what we just talked about, submitting to the Lord, trusting him with the, your obedience, allowing him to be the one that is, ultimately, he's the one changing us. And then, how does that affect the way we view him, and how does that affect the way we view each other? And does that lead to us caring for each other in a, in a better way? Um, as that's happening, I think it kind of um, points out another important aspect of the kingdom, and that's in verse 19. It says that, uh, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So, like we, as we are growing ourselves individually, as we're loving each other better, like, we're ultimately pursuing peace. That doesn't mean that we can't have, like, conflict. It doesn't mean we can't have disagreements. That's not what peace is about. Um, peace is about us seeing each other in a healthy, in a healthy way, um, seeing each other through the lens of the cross and through the lens of the Lord, and addressing those things um, without judgment, without quarreling, without um, despising. Like, like, that's what we're to pursue. Um, the, he uses another word, mutual upbuilding. Like, there's like constantly, we're constantly learning from each other. So the strong and the weak, quote unquote, are learning from each other. You know, there's we're we're always we're in process, and we are learning from each other as the Lord uh, sanctifies us individually. So, like I said, there's cool things that you think about when we're talking about our unity uh, within that kingdom and what that kingdom looks like. Um, I'm gonna kind of end on this, like. Not only are we to like understand that kingdom and, and we are unified in that kingdom, but we are also unified in the fact that he has called us to display that kingdom to those around us. Let's look at uh, chapter 15. We'll read verses 2 through 7. It says, uh, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And this is the, this is the cool stuff. Uh, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So our, our unity has a purpose. It's not just unified just for the sake of unity. Like our unity as a body, our unity as the Ring Community Church, our unity as um, the larger body of Christ throughout the world, like our, our unity is to display like the glory of God. Um, it's about pointing people to something bigger than us, you know? It's about pointing people to something bigger than necessarily the unity that we're, ta- we're talking about. Um, it's pointing to people to the truth of, of Christ and his death and following his example. Um, you look at, uh, you have to turn here, Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, I'm going to read those. It says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... 
though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so, as we are submitting ourselves to like Christ's example, like we see him like submitting himself for our good. Um, like he, like Christ didn't, what that verse is talking about is Christ didn't like, uh, I don't know if indulge is a good word, but we'll use that, uh, in his, his, his uh, deity, his, his, his godness when he came to earth. He submitted himself uh, to come and to die a terrible death and to, to live a human life. And um, he didn't invoke the rights of, of who he was, you know? And so as we look at that, like we, as we care for each other, and as we pursue unity, as we pursue the Lord individually, as we care for each other, care for each other's hearts selflessly, like we're displaying like Christ more accurately to the world around us. As the, as the world around us sees, you know, the Ring Community Church, in the midst of their differences, we are united in purpose. We handle those differences in a, in a, in a healthy way. We don't look at each other, talk about each other. We don't... Uh, we don't get in disputes over non-essential stuff, you know? It's okay to talk about that stuff. But we don't, we don't let that stuff affect the way we view each other. And as we do that, we display, like, the love of Christ to the world. Um, like, as we, this is kind of where my clothes, but, like, as we, because um, we're, our church is definitely growing, we're, and we're being pushed out into the city more. And so, like, like there's going to be huge opportunities for us to love the, the city around us and also just the world around us. We have, we have that missions board out there that it's kind of cool to see where um, members of our body are serving along, around the world. And so, as we, as we minister to the world, um, like, we, uh, by our unity, by our understanding of the cross by our care for each other, we display some huge truths to the to the world around us as we as we go out. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see um, other people. It changes the way we see other churches within our community because we're all devoted to the same purpose. You know, there's not not competition between the churches in Baton Rouge. You know, um, and so that it just kind of raises raises the bar a little bit, I think, in a in a good way. So. Um, Main thing, individually, we're to pursue our uh, pursue the Lord, understand the cross, have understanding of the cross, care for each other through that understanding, care for each other better, and then ultimately for the purpose of displaying the kingdom to the world around us. And so, um, not sure where it hits us. I think where I think it hits me is like, how do I view other people? What, where's my where's my heart when I view differences? Where's my heart at? And is there are there seeds of judgment? Are there seeds of um, whatever? Like. Like, where is, where is my heart, you know, when it comes to the way I see people? And I, and I think that as we, as the Lord kind of shows us that, like, there may be some things he's leading you to do. He may, he may be kind of leading you to, to maybe, you know, confess that, confess that to somebody. I don't, I don't know. But I don't think it just stops with us just kind of looking inward. I think it always results in us moving, moving forward in action. So um, let's pray, and we'll have Cody and them come up and just kind of sing some songs, just connecting us back to uh, what we're talking about, and we'll... Yeah, we'll go from there. So, Lord, I uh, I thank you so much for just who you are, and um, just for the way that you love us, um, 
for the way that um, you loved us first, just through the cross, and uh, how just how that affects every single aspect of our life, Lord. Um, God, I thank you for the fact that you have created a church where, where everybody's not the same, um, but Lord, that we are united by your cross and by the way that your cross pushes us to care for each other. And ultimately, you've done that so that we can, we can love people better, love our community better, love the world better. Um, Lord, I just pray that, that God, you will um, just stir up the stuff that needs to be stirred up within us. Um, God, just ultimately help us to see uh, who you are more accurately, Lord, because there's no question that as we see you in a uh, different light individually, as we see your love for us individually, that affects the way we see each other. And Lord, I just thank you so much for, uh, for who you are and just for all that you are to us and all that you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.